Uh, good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, January 24, the big sports breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. And uh, pup, morning to you, mate. Did you get that weather report, by morning the way? Morning to you. I, I did. And I just I heard showers, 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 but then 28, 30, 31. Is that correct? Yeah, 28, 29, 31, next three days. Humid then? Yeah. Well, it is, you know, late January. Yeah, come on. What happens? Yesterday afternoon was cracker, sunshine. Actually, I do have one for you. Is it legal to drone into someone's backyard? Is that legal? I don't think so. Can you check that? Actually, Wilbur, can you check that? (laughs) I was dived in my pool yesterday afternoon and looked up and I was being droned. Surely that can't be legal. What if I was Starkers? Maybe it was that Lux listing uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my house is not for sale. Uh, might have been the next door neighbour. Mm. Well, Do you know them should, well? Should have knocked on the door and said hi. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, good afternoon yesterday. Plenty of sport. Um, Smitty on fire with the Sixers. Nothing's changed. He's absolutely building him. So uh, I watched a bit of that, and then I watched Novak. Oh. I know you're not going to be happy, Mido, oh. but I'd hate to say it, but... Class above, wasn't oh, he? Absolutely. Um, his hemi seemed fine as well. <laughs> he did not have a problem with his leg at all. He was on fire. Yeah, yeah, that was no issues at all. Mate. Morning, Laws. Morning, boys. You reckon it's an act? Yeah, it's an act for sure. Just got a bit of white tape around it, you reckon? Yep. Just for show. He was just too good. Unbelievable, wasn't he? He's... I is he unbeatable? Oh, on last night's performance, he definitely is, yeah. but he's going to face tougher challenges mm. over the coming days but i, I thought demonor wouldn't win but i thought he'd give him a better, better yeah, task too. you know better you know uh, uh, i i thought demonor might lose 6-4 something like that mm. I, I didn't think he'd lose what 6-2 6-162 it was sort of a non-event he it looked nervous as well didn't he demonor i reckon he looked just a little mm. tentative at the start where Novak looked like he was in a mood to just dominate. Everything he did was just fantastic. Yeah. And I was flicking between that and the cricket, and Steve Smith was on fire. Oh, mate. He was just seeing the ball like mate. a watermelon and Form. just yeah. unbelievable touch. Mm. You know, just smacking to the boundary. There's so many sixes. They won again uh, last night, the Sydney Sixers. Um, but, yeah, it was a good night to just sit in front of the TV and watch two greats. Mm. Do yeah, their good stuff. Call. Good call. Did you see the video, though, of uh, this? I think it's from his previous match, Novak Djokovic. This video emerged of someone from his posse who was sitting next to his coach, uh, Goran Ivanisevic, passing a bottle to oh, an not, official. Not this again. And then it's handed to Djokovic. It's got a note on it. Clearly got a note on oh, it. My, oh, no that, issues oh, last you know, night. You know what? The note is what mm. makes him such a great player. The note might say you've got a boogie up your nose. Pick it out, mate. Or pull your undies out mm. of your bum. Like, who cares? As if the note is going to have any difference to how good he is. Can't do it, though. But you? if it was illegal, they would stop it. They would say, mate, you can't have someone from the box writing on a piece of paper, putting it on your drink bottle. I would have said, mate, you've got 15 minutes before the car has to leave because they're in two-hour parking. Get on with it. Because coaching's now allowed during matches, but apparently it can only be verbal communication. Mate. It's like, what was the footage they showed a little while back where it was like he had this magic potion that he was drinking? Yeah, yeah. They tried to make out it was illegal. Mate, he'd get get drug tested every single day. Like, if he was guilty of doing something wrong, and again, even with this, there's cameras everywhere. Like I, you just, why don't you try and intercept 
the person <laughs> delivering the message, like the grey wiggle did. Right. In, was it the grey? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah he, fa- the, he found the, the notes. Yeah, he found the opposing notes. Uh, Peruvian keeper. Yes, yes, and threw the and threw the bottle away. Yeah. So Smart. walk past, pretending you're going over mm. to see the umpire, and grab the bottle, and just throw it. What about yeah. that? Mm. Is yeah. that allowed? Open it and read it out loud so everyone can hear. Yeah. Give I, me the mic. I don't, I don't think no matter what was written on any note last night, you weren't stopping him. Oh, he's just too good. Nah. Night Owl Nev on the text line. Loz, should Novak wear a thermo skin? Ooh, yes. Good thermo. thermo. Maybe. I used to love a thermo. <laughs> that might bring that you did. That you did. That yeah. you did. I think I had a footy card and it was you in the yeah, big And shoulder pads. Pads. I wore the shoulder pads one year. Yeah, they were Only big. for one year. They were massive. Yeah. What, what was the theory? Did you have a shoulder injury? I had coming back from a ah, shoulder reconstruction. There you go. It's a pretty good reason. So I felt comfortable having pads on. Mm. And then I can't believe I wore them because they were so big. And I couldn't like stretch my arms. Yeah, up. Up. Catch a high ball, yeah. yeah. Because you'd have all the strapping on as well, mm. and then you'd have the shoulder pads. But it was amazing. In my last ever game with shoulder pads on, I was able to go up, reach up, get the ball, and throw it to John Chicka Ferguson in the 89 oh, yeah. So just <laughs> without thinking, I just went like that. Reacted, yeah. And I wouldn't have done that all through the season. And I was able to get the ball and throw it to Chicka, and then Chicka just scored, take us into. Extra, yeah, I think it took us into extra time. Well, Mal had to convert the goal. But and that was the end of the shoulder pads. That was the end of the shoulder pads. Yeah. Off they went. Off they went, mate. Shoulder pads gone, thermo stayed. So, uh, thermo. Well, Mahemi troubled me all the way yeah. through my career. Yeah, old Hemi, the so, and then it just turned into haircut grand final week. Yes. And origin, origin, origin week, and for origin. sure. Big games. Yeah, big games, haircut. Big games. When you, yeah, if you're playing, well, you used to always have the television game too because it wasn't like <laughs> Fox now where they show all the games. You'd have a Friday night game mm. or you might have the ABC game on the Saturday and then you'd have a game on the Sunday. So there was really only three games that were on telly. So if you had one of them, you'd time the haircut. Did you get and the you'd draw? know the schedule. Yeah. At the start of the season, so you'd know. Yeah, yeah you know, penciled in. Yeah. You knew they were the ones. You yeah, had but you wouldn't go. On. You wouldn't go two weeks in a row for a haircut. Hmm. You know, it takes about four or five weeks in between, and then away you'd go again. You've got to look smart, Mitter. Yeah, well, clearly, you got to dress, dress oh, as on, a but... football player. You got to look like a football player. You got to act like a football player. You didn't mind the high shorts either, did you? you tucked like, in. Yeah, I, tucked had, in I was a jersey short. tucked in, and I had the string out. Mm. I like the string mm. out of the shorts. Mm. I agree. I'm a string out. Person. You string out or string in? Yeah, string out. Yeah. 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 But you you got to tie. Yeah, no. Nah, you got to tie it up. <laughs> not if they, they don't, fit, they not just if have fit loose. you, don't. <laughs> just don't have them loose. I don't need to be tied. Yeah. <laughs> They're not coming off. <laughs> when you walk but be careful they don't fall off. At, at that time, was everyone sort of auditioning for a spot in the Tina Turner ad as well? So it was pretty competitive. It's going to start. Tina Turner ad. No, well, I think they were obviously walk up. Yeah, there were guys that just got to start. Wayne Pierce. Walk up. Yep. Uh, E.T. walk up. Alf was a walk up. Was he? Bob Linda would have been a walk up. Yeah. Bobby Linda. Um, but then I think it came down to shooting because we were outside of Sydney and turned to turn to spend a bit of time here in Sydney. So I think I didn't get to meet Tina. Mal did. I think Clyde. Clyde was mm. another one. He's a good looking rooster. 
Uh, he was a part of the commercial. So what happened? What was the explanation given to you? Uh, we just didn't quite make the cut. Just didn't make the cut. That's disappointing. <laughs> yeah. For all your achievements. We can't have too many from one team. You've had Mal and Bradley Clyde. Well, I told everyone. I told everyone I declined. As, <laughs> yeah, as, you, as do. you do. As you do. I said I didn't really want to be a part of it busy. anyway. I said I had another engagement. I had a work function. had a different work function on. <laughs> had an event already said yes to that's yeah, but it. I got brushed. There you go. Uh, right, I'll, I'll admit it. All right. <laughs> I've been carrying this around with me for 30 years. <laughs> uh, Had to sell some trophies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, just a bit of sport and politics on the front page of the Daily Telegraph today. Labour of glove, Mins strikes deal to bring UFC back to Sydney. So if it was to be a state Labour government, uh, Chris Mins saying that, uh, well, he would bring major UFC paper few events to Sydney, which we'd all be pretty happy about. But this fight coming up, Volkanovski, that's going to be huge coming up. That's in Perth, isn't it? I'm pretty sure yep. next month. Yeah. So uh, that's one Genius. we'll be tracking after, unfortunately, although we got the news yesterday that Tim Zoo's fighting in March, but that fight would have taken place next week. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, late January initially. But Charles, Where were they fighting? Course, in the States? His... Vegas? Uh, yeah, I think it was Vegas. Vegas yeah, Certainly the States. Yeah. And do we know where this new fight's going to be? Still TBD, but okay. uh, the report yesterday and through Benny Damon, Sydney, Melbourne, Gold Coast, they're in the mix. Mm, well, I can understand why. It's not everyone's cup of tea, UFC, but when there's a big fight on, people Amazing. that put it on, like pubs and clubs where they show it, the venues are packed. Venues are just packed. So I can understand why if they put on this event in Sydney, why people would go. They'd fill mm. the stadium for sure. Oh, Definitely. Easy. Definitely. Mm. You know, this next fight for Volkanovski, is, is he expected to win or is this his oh, toughest ever He's gone up a weight. Yes. So, oh, yeah. he's, he's, uh, it's going to be tougher, but he's, he's that confident at the moment. Well, he was too good in the division Mate. he was in. He's, he's a, so confident. He's a three dollar thirty outsider with tap. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, Makachev is a dollar thirty three. What's he? What weight's he fighting at? Uh, Kilos. I should know this. I'll come back to you, Clark. Yeah. Okay. Is yeah. it mid seventies? I need to come back to you. On yeah. This. Okay. Because he used to be a front rower, didn't One he? of our yeah. UFC... He used to be over 100 kilos. Stepping up in, the, in weight to fight lightweight champion. Yeah, what's lightweight in UFC? So, How many kilos? Uh, well, I'd say it'd be under 80, I suppose. Lightweight, is it? Or is that too heavy? Uh, I reckon his last fight, he was at 67 kilos. If I'm not mistaken. So he's fighting at lightweight, correct? Yep. Well, he's fighting is, lightweight champion. Okay. Well, the minimum weight for lightweight is 65.8 kilos, and uh, your upper weight limit is 70.3. 70, okay. So, I, yeah, yeah, I, well, I thought he, his well, last fight, what's the weight before that? Because I looks, thought he fought, it, fought it, at 67. He looks a lot bigger. Well, well before that's think. featherweight, yeah, what's which fe- goes from 61.2 to 65.8. Okay. So, by the time you're, you actually get in the ring, you probably put on... You know, let's say you make the weight, then you probably put on four kilos. So he's he's probably fighting close to seventy kilos in his last fight. So he'd be closer to. It's still a lot at that size and the extra strength and power. Every kilo makes such a difference. Yeah. But he seems that good, doesn't he? He seems so powerful and so quick. It it is like I stood next to him at uh, the Cambosis, the first Cambosis fight. He is amazingly small. 
Darcy Langer. just a ball of muscle. Yeah. yeah. A complete ball of muscle. But yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty short. And uh, we saw him, I think it was in Sydney on Sunday, standing next to, to Makachev. And he's giving away a significant height advantage. And pretty much a size mm. advantage, it looks, in that fight. So... Yeah, it's going to be huge in, in mm. mid-February in Perth, that one. But uh, on the back page of the Daily Telegraph today, and uh, well, the picture of Demonor says it all. Demolished is the headline there. So last night at Melbourne Park, Novak Djokovic, he needed barely two hours to beat Alex Demonor in their fourth-round matchup. 6-2, 6-1, So the 35-year-old Serb, the nine-time Australian Open champ, next faces Andre Rublev. In the quarterfinals, Rublev had an extraordinary match against Holger Rune yesterday, which really seesawed in the fifth and deciding set and through the super tiebreaker to decide the match, which uh, Rublev at one stage came from 7-2 down, in fact. An extraordinary uh, finish to that match, but uh, goodness me, look at the look on uh, Demonor. It says it all, doesn't yeah. it? Sometimes you just got to take your hat off to the opposition, Mido, and say they were too good, and he was. He did not look like losing, uh, Djokovic. Uh, Demon all would have came into this game uh, very confident, um, but just yeah, just didn't have it. Just didn't have the same class. And from what I saw last night, he will be extremely hard to beat as long as he stays injury free. And on the back page of the Sydney Morning Herald, Demon Slayer Joker rolls on is the headline there. Uh, also, assault case set to spell end of Beale's Australian career. So uh, on uh, the weekend, on Saturday, Kurtley Beale was granted bail after he was hit with sexual assault charges from an incident in Bondi in December. Uh, he's been suspended from all forms of rugby, though his solicitor said that Beale strenuously denies the allegations, but uh, it would be hard to imagine uh, laws that we will see Kurtley Beale in, uh, well, Maybe even a sky blue jersey here at the Waratahs, let alone a gold jersey after this. Despite what the outcome might be, yeah, in this case, it would be difficult. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think they have a no fault stand down policy like the NRL do. Just got their own code. But they've of got conduct. their own code of conduct, yeah. which at this stage they've stood him down. But who knows what will happen? Because this court case may not happen this year. Mm. It might happen next year. So if that's he, the case, they might play say, until after the case. Well, they might just say, no, you, you've stood down until your case goes to court. Or they might say, we'll allow you to play. Mm. I, I suppose it just sort of depends on what happens when he next goes to court. Um, and, and they're talking next month or early early March. Um, but at this stage, um, Curtly Beale has been stood down. And, you know, they brought him back because of his experience and he would have been someone that I'm sure Eddie Jones would have been looking to to have a part of his World Cup squad uh, at the end of this season. So, But Kirtley's got you know a big challenge in front of him at the moment. So I think that's where his major focus would be. Well, yeah, he's been stood down pending the outcome of the case. Mm. So, yeah, as you mentioned, Loz, that could take significant time in itself. Yeah. Well, there's just a backlog of people yeah. trying to get to court to have their cases settled. And because of COVID, they've just been put on the back burner. So, uh, yeah, it, it mightn't go to court until midway through next season. Uh, midway through next year. Okay. The very contentious 
these days issue that is Australia Day. And on the back page of the Herald, it's a united front. Team goes into bat for Gardner. So Ash Gardner, Indigenous player with Australia's women's team, um, has, well, she's pretty much slam cricket Australia for scheduling a match against Pakistan on Australia Day, uh, claiming it is disrespectful for her and, uh, well, for Indigenous Australians. And, uh, well, Meg Lenning, the Aussie captain, has come in and supported uh, Ash Gardner. And uh, we've got the West Indies here in 12 months' time as well, who are playing test matches in Australia in January. Um, I, I think this is, I think I said it to you, might have been off air yesterday. I think this is a very much a generational thing. I remember, uh, I think when you were playing, Puff, it was, it was a big, Adelaide Oval. It was a big, yeah. it was a full house and yeah. it was a big event, wasn't it? Day night at Adelaide always. Now it's an extremely political thing, let's yeah. face it. And yeah. uh, the new, particularly the younger generation, yeah. I think, uh, Loz, and you're in a household with that mm. generation, uh, very much. Oh, yeah, they feel a lot vocal more strongly about, about it. This. Um, yeah, more so about a lot of things, you know, about um, change to Australia Day, climate change, wherever else you want to, you know, go down that path with with young people. Now they've got more of a voice than they've ever had before. Um, you know, the West Indies coming out here, and we all know, you know, they they strongly back the the Black Lives uh, Matters uh, movement, and you know, Ash Gardner has certainly made her thoughts clear. Um, then you just got to look at, you know, how would this affect maybe the Australian Open tennis? You know, you've got a tournament that is being played and you've got games scheduled for mm. Australia Day on January 26th. Do they look at not playing on that day? Do they look at, you know, <laughs> rescheduling good... the Australian Open to start well before or way after? It's a good that. point because we haven't heard anyone jump up and down about that. So this is my issue with all mm. this sort of stuff. It's selective morality at times. Mm. We can blow up about that, but if you don't blow up about the Australian Open, well, why is that different? Yeah. Even Australian yeah. players playing on Australia yeah. Day. But, but I think what it has done, Mido, it's brought the conversation around to whether you know, January 26 is the appropriate day yeah. to have Australia Day. Um, and I'm not certainly not going to discuss that on... Yeah, you know, my views on, on on our program, but I think it's starting to get that way where a lot more people are looking at why it's so upsetting for uh, Indigenous people um, and trying to understand what they are going through on that particular day and whether, in fact, they would support changing it to another day and the ramifications of of doing that, but. Um, I think it's certainly got a lot more traction and people are speaking about it a lot more now than ever before. 135353 is the number. Give us a call. Just some news over in the UK and in the Premier League. Frank Lampard has been sacked at Everton after less than a year in charge there at Goodison Park with uh, the Toffees 19th on the table. In fact, they're only off bottom on goal difference and they've only got 15 points from 20 matches. So this comes after he was sacked from... The club he became a legend at, of course, Chelsea as well. So you don't see too many of the top players go and become top, top managers, do you? So uh, Frank Lampard sacked at, at Everton. Uh, now, also we're just locally in the A-League, former Socceroo Milay Stajovski has been named to take over from Dwight York there at MacArthur. Now, Stajovski's been the club's academy coach uh, since its inception. 
back in, what was it, 2020. And they'll play Western United in their next game, the Bulls, that Saturday afternoon at Campbelltown. But the more I thought about that yesterday, and uh, Dwight York labelling his team a pub team, and then with, the, well, obviously the chairman and the CEO were there, uh, according to reports, and he was let go. Well, they parted ways, mutual parting mm. ways. There must, there's got to be more to that, doesn't there? Well, Clark, you, you gave the rumour that, and who knows, maybe he's like, well, stuff this, I've got it interest elsewhere, mm. I'm out. Um, well, I'd be shocked if you gave your team a spray about calling them a pub team because the standards that he'd set hadn't been adhered to and you got sacked for that. Has somebody most... said that? Is there a statement from the club or Dwight saying that, mentioning that disagreement? Most coaches that would have coached at some point in time, Definitely. when they're talking to their team, they say, mate, you're carrying on like a... Bloody, Clubbies. Yeah, bunch of A-graders. <laughs> yeah, I, You know, this sure. is the first grade outfit and, you and your standards Definitely. are at reserve grade. You're at a pub level. You're at a local A-grade a side. Yeah, under 10s. Yeah, I, yeah. I just can't believe that is that, that would a be rumor, the reason. Is that a rumour, or is that factual that that oh, is the been, reason they've been, parted? Well, the Herald reported it yesterday. Oh, got to be true. Got, got to be true. It's in the paper. <laughs> well, it certainly was Well, because I'm saying, I, I actually think that's not the case. I think he's leaving because he's got another opportunity mm. well, to take he... that next step to get to the EPL. Yeah. I hope, and this is just me personally, I hope that Sydney FC don't sign Dwight York. Well, I think Stevie Corica deserves another opportunity mm. there. I mean, they haven't oh. been going great, Sydney FC, but mm. he's won a couple of championships yeah, over the course with them. Of his over yeah, he's successful. been, he's been yeah. very yeah. successful, yeah, for mm. sure. So I, I know how coaching works. If you're not ha- you know, having success, they, they get rid of you. But someone would pick Stevie Corica up, very good. And you can't tell me that Dwight York at the moment would be a better coach than Steve Corica after 13 games in. Oh, well, it's a lot to prove yet, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah, that's exactly right. But, uh, but a good opportunity for him if, he, if he's got that stepping stone to go somewhere else yeah. and progress with his managerial career, good on him. But I just don't see the fit there with Sydney FC because I think... Stevie Corica deserves another. Can't go. be sacked for giving your team. If that's the first time he's given him a serve as well. Well, it's not like, results. That's the thing. Yeah, like, they won the Australian exactly Cup right. and they're sixth on the ladder. Like, yeah, they're yeah. not. They're not completely tanking. No. Yeah. So, but even if you are, if you are on the board there at that club, you're thinking, well, whatever Dwight's doing has actually been working. Mm. So, if he's given him a serve, mm. then it's working. So that's why I, I think I think that's a myth. I think he's got another opportunity somewhere. And he's got to take it now, otherwise he's going to miss it. So Yeah, that sounds about right, doesn't it? Hmm. That's what I'm hearing anyway. Just uh, some rugby as league... As you say, the paper wouldn't be wrong. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> some rugby league news. Stab, Michael, stab. You angry, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you this morning? <laughs> Let um, it go, buddy. Where's Morty? <laughs> never complain, never explain. <laughs> Uh, now, just a text here from Newey Boy. Boys, the Knights are about to announce the signing of Lockie Miller from the Sharks to play fullback, says Newey Boy on the text line. Now, there's been speculation for the last few days there in the Hunter that this was happening, that um, he was going to get a release from Cronulla. And before Christmas, it seemed like Craig Fitzgibbon and the Sharks weren't overly 
enthusiastic about giving Lockie Miller a release there, but uh, he certainly made an impression in his few appearances for the Sharks last season and looks like he would be a very adequate signing for the Knights who seem intent on moving Caelan Ponga into the halves mm. with Jackson Hastings' laws. So if this, if they can get their hands on Lockie Miller, that all of a sudden, that spine looks pretty decent. Yeah, I think it does, Mito. I think you've got... Um Lockie Miller at fullback, and you're right in everything that you say about Lockie Miller. He came onto the scene there last year. He's certainly quick, got good foot, footwork, yeah. uh, and good anticipation that a fullback needs. The biggest transition he will face, um, and the biggest uh, area he'll need to address is just the way that teams organise defensive systems these days and the role that the fullback plays. You know, just to be able to get the numbers right, communication skills, whether he's learnt all that. How do you just learn? How do you months. learn that, Loz? Like, is, is, like it oh, seems to me, it, it takes a while. Yeah, gone are the days where you can grow up playing a number of positions, and then when you get to the highest level, it's still the same. Yeah. Like it seems, especially fullback, fullback and number nine hooker now seem like the two most controlled positions. Like, yep. your number nine gets his hand on the ball the most, the, the maximum amount of time. So, he's become the new number seven, like back in your era. Yep. And the fullback, like you say, he, he seems like he's really your leader. He's controlling the entire game. Well, fullback's got to be your most explosive player. He's got to be your fittest player. He's got to be nearly your most knowledgeable player. My along God. with a halfback. So can you, can, you play, can you play six your whole career and then get to, you know, reserve grade and then all of a sudden become a number one? Or is it now oh, a position you've got to... Unless you're, unless you're actually... A freak. Freak, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I think it'd take time. So you've got to I, grow up playing Grow up playing, yeah. I th- it's just really hard. It's, mm. it's, and, and it evolves every season. Like, so how do you learn it if you're not playing it? Well, that's the point. You got because we got just about every winger wants to play fullback, right? Yep. Or centre wants yep. to play fullback, but if you're not playing it, well, well if you're on the wing. You defend differently to what the fullback does because you're only worrying about your inside man. Mm. Whereas a fullback, you're scanning the field. You're scanning and worrying about everyone's eyes. Yeah, and worrying about what the opposition are doing. Where's the key players? Key indicators of their attack. What are they looking at building? Mm. How are our, our, our numbers on a short side? What do they look like on a long side? How how uh, tight are we in the middle? Do, mm. do we need to spread our defence out a little bit Who's the tighter? best you've seen in, in do oh, that? Slater. Billy Slater. Slater. Genius. Has it. Genius. Yeah, okay. Genius. But I think I've said on this program before, when we were playing, and I hate going back to bloody when we were playing, but Gary Belcher for the Raiders. Yeah. If Ricky Stewart and I were, say, fighting over the football, Tim Sheens would always say, go with Belcher. And Gary Belcher... Give it to the one in the middle. Well, he, 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 okay. was, he was brilliant and the best player at identifying numbers and where the best option was. Yeah, okay. Man, he was amazing. just... He was very, very good. He was a different player to, say, a Gary Jack, who was a, a, a legend at the, at the time. Yep. Coming through the 80s. Yep. And he and Belcher were always fighting over that Australian fullback position. Yep. Badge, when I played with him, he was so good at identifying numbers and being able to control a defensive system. Um, and, yeah, he was so good. Yeah. And then it's just evolved since then. But Billy Slater, he was unbelievable. He was a freak. Basically changed the way fullbacks played, I reckon. What does, what does a team like Melbourne then do with Munster? Does he go back to six or does he stay number one? No, nah, he stays at six. He stays at he six. He stays at six because they've got 
Pappenhausen there. Coming back in. So they've got Pappenhausen maybe coming back in. Maybe not for a while. But, maybe not for the early rounds. Yeah. And, and even if, like, I'm th- like going forward for someone mm. like Munster, is he a better six? Like, he's been unbelievable at number six. And he's played there, obviously, yeah. consistently the last few years. Yeah. But he played a lot of number one at the start as well, didn't he? Yeah. Career. Do you reckon he stays at six? Because it yeah, worked I, for Melbourne when Bellamy put him back to number one. Yeah, I think he would prefer to go back to fullback. But the the thing with fullback is, uh, f- for me, you, and he does a great job, Munster, and you can play him anywhere. But I, uh, you'd have to look at the finer details of his game. Yeah. You know, well, you what I mean, fitness, for yeah, example. fitness, and you'd have to look at effort on effort on effort and see how he produces on every play. You look at Tedesco at the moment. He pushes so far through the middle, yeah. so far through the middle. He'll push, reload. He'll push, reload. If they go to an edge, he's out on that edge. Yeah, okay. He's playing a sweeper off. If you need him down a short side, he'll go down there. Then he transitions from attack into defence, and when he's into defence, he's pushing people to get to the long side. He's pushing people to a short side. He's putting himself in the line. He's you know defending at what they call a half A, which is me being... Marker, me being really tight if you're on a goal line defence, me being really tight. Once the play of the ball has happened, then he ducks in behind the line to cover the little kick through. Like all those little things that you see uh, Tedesco do, I'd have to look at Munster to see whether he does all those little things as a fullback. But just when you watch Munster as a fullback getting the ball and running and doing whatever he does, he looks great. But it's those little things that matter most at fullback. Got Shano on the line. G'day, Shane. G'day, boys. Happy New Year. Yeah, you, you too, too, mate. Um, yeah, you're not moving Munster. I mean, uh, Meany will be fullback if Pappenhausen's out. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Xavier Coates will slot in there. He's been training fullback a whole off-season, so you've got options. But you're not moving the best 5-8 in the world. Um, see the uh, knives are already out for Dak Prescott. Mate, he was done when Tony Pollard blew his ankle out. Ooh, yeah. The Cowboys had nothing left after that. Their, their run options were gone. Zeke's not the, the running back he ever was anymore. And once Pollard went out, uh, it was all on Prescott. And, mate, his side just wasn't good enough. The 49ers were just too good. They're, they've got a monstrous defence and too many weapons in attack. Um, what, about that of ankles, catch, what about that catch of Kittle yesterday? Oh, what a player. Mate, that was unbelievable. Off his hands, onto his helmet, back into his hands, hands. again. He's a great tight end. He's a great player. But, um, of course, the big story is Mahomes. You've got to feel sorry for him. He's going to get his second MVP. He would have led him to a Super Bowl. But uh, I know they can needle up his ankle, but he's done. The Bengals will beat him. They're, they're just, mate, he's going to be trapped in the pocket. And once he can't move around, that's it. I know he's got a great arm, but he's got to have that mobility. And without that, he's just going to struggle. And same with the Chiefs. They're just not a good enough side to do it. With Mahomes in the pocket for the full you know, game. Yeah, you're probably right there. Who do you reckon they'll play? I, I never had a rap on Philly, but I'm starting to think no, they're, they're a chance. Good. Mate, what, what odds you can get on them now, load up. They are specials. Their defence is brutal. Their offence, um, they're just playing you know, first-class football. They're, and we're going to have an Aussie that's going to win a first Super Bowl, Jordan Malata, ex-Rabbits, uh, under-20s player. Mate, but they're just a beast of a team. They can't be stopped. They cannot be stopped. They'll, yeah. they'll beat. They'll beat. The, and the thing is, too, they had a pretty easy game coming into it, whereas the uh, 49ers, that was a brutal game yesterday. 
Oh, that's going to be a, a belter, that NFC chair. In fact, both of them. Uh, good on you, Shano. Thanks for the call, mate. But uh, just the markets for these games. Championship Sunday, as they call it in the States, Monday our time. So the 7 a.m. game is the NFC Championship decider. Philadelphia are $1.67. San Francisco, $2.20 with tab, plus two and a half at the line, the 49ers. And Kansas City and Cincinnati, well, with the question mark over Patrick Mahomes at his ankle, it is ninety each of two. Uh, there's a line there of one and a half. Kansas City, the plus, $1.85 for that. Uh, but, uh, gee, pick them game. Kansas City and the Bengals. I think I'm with the Bengals as well. Oh, I'm with the Bengals. If, Ken, if Mahomes was fit, I'd nearly stay with Kansas City. Being at home, um, got a good record. But Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, he's got a bit oh, of swagger about he him. He's unreal. He's going to end up a legend. There you go. You're putting the legend tag yep. on him straight away. Yep. We said the same thing about Mahomes. He's yep. only won one Super Bowl. I think Burrow's got it. He's got it all. Lamar Jackson, we said the same no, thing No, nah. His passing game was always sort of a bit of a question mark, but Joe Burrow yeah. superstar. Yeah, I, I think we wait till they win a championship. Yeah, I've gone early. Yeah, you've gone, gone early. Gone but no, gone I, early. I respect you. That's all right. I respect your opinion, but... Putting these tag on people <laughs> so early. That word great. That word great. There it goes. Yeah, go there it I goes. I said will be. Yeah, okay. Will be. Okay. Not declaring him yet. Uh, g'day, Joe. How are you? G'day, fellas. How are you? Yeah, pretty well, thanks, mate. What have you got for us? What to talk about Australian tennis. Um, I was watching a lot of the ladies' stuff in Australian Open. If Ash Barty was still playing, she'd be mopping the floor with all of these. I mean, they wouldn't have a chance. I've seen them all performing now. I've been watching it every day. I just can't understand. We get a couple of champions in Australia, and the last one we really had that really tried and gave everything was Leighton Hewitt, and before him, Cash. Now we've got a, a, the best the best entertaining tennis player in the world, Kyrgios. He can't even get on the court. I don't know what's wrong with these people. And then we've got a number one, clearly above everybody, and she retires. And just, you know... It, it, we just don't have anybody to follow in tennis, and this is probably why a lot of kids aren't coming through. I mean, it seems all the champions of these days are coming from the European. Mm-hmm. You know, Djokovic, Federer, and then you've got Nadal from uh, Spain, from all these countries. And we, we used to have all the champions. We've just lost the hunger. There's just too much money in it. Like Rod Laver, he used to play for nothing. Then he went professional, made a bit of money. Uh, all these great champions we had, Newcomb and all of them, but these guys we've got better, they just don't commit themselves. It's all about playing a bit of tennis and a bit of party. Kyrgios could be number one if he had the drive that Leighton Hewitt had. Yeah, you'd love to he see... He could be you, number one, undoubtedly. Oh, you're, yeah, you're not wrong there, Joe. I think Kyrgios uh, is as talented as most, um, but... We just don't see him train like a champion and, and commit himself to the sport like a Federer or a Nadal or a Djokovic. But there's no doubt that he's got the talent and he's an entertainer and there's not many better entertainers in tennis and the ratings would have will tell you that because every time he's on television, it's a, a blockbuster and they promote it heavily. Um, here in Australia... Our young guys and girls coming through, you're right, um, they, they try hard. Like Alex Demonor, he, he's a tryer. 
But when you watched him last night, he's he's not going to be in the same class as mm. the Djokovic's and the Dahls and Federer's. But even the the other guys underneath him, like the Sitsa Passes and mm. Medvedevs and Zarevs and all these type of guys, they, they're just a class below. Mm. But I, I I don't take your point in terms of um, him not trying because I think that Popper and um, Demon or I think they'd train as hard as anyone. They strike me as people that are committed to the sport. Just on Nick Kyrgios, uh, posted on social media yesterday, pre and post his knee surgery. So he had an arthroscope and a cyst removed as mm. well. How much have you missed him? Come on, he, I, he has been missed. No, he's, I've he's noticed entertaining. his absence he's, yeah, from well, this I, Australian Open. I think everyone, when he pulled out of the Australian Open, was like, oh, like there was, there, he, he does. He builds... He builds that entertainment up. And I think, like Loz just said, he's an unbelievable player. Massive serve, hits a lot of winners. I think the way he plays is is awesome. Um, and all the stuff off the court is what, yeah, it helped the Australian Open. I'm sure Channel 9 oh, want Nick Kyrgios playing. Oh, yeah. You know, so I reckon when, when he pulled out injured and then when Nadal got done, like Channel 9 would have been steaming at that. So, yeah, yeah like... I think everyone's got that same hope. You want Nick's talent to turn into consistent performance and you want him to want it um, and want to be the best in the world because I think you know, everyone we speak to that knows a lot more about tennis than us says he's definitely got the talent. You know, anytime you can beat the big fish, you've got something. Yeah, most, most people are interested in him. Yeah. But they want to know what makes him tick and they mm. want to see more fight from him. Mm. At times, he's just got that attitude of, oh, I don't really care about this game. I'll move on to the next. I, lo- I love watching him play, though. I love the style of tennis he plays. Mm. I like that big serve. I like, you know, he's not having rallies for an hour. He- he's going for that match winner. He's yeah. going down the line. I-, I-, I love watching the way he plays. Yeah. But he's just not one of those players that endures himself to everybody. Mm. You know, people either... There's, there's no middle ground, I-, I reckon, with Nick. You either like him or you don't. And, and and talking about his tennis too, you know, like he, he you either like Nick Kyrgios or you don't like yeah, that shot he plays between his legs. Yeah. Like some people just think that's the most disrespectful thing. But I'm like, I, I don't the mind. underarm serve, underarm serve. Like, I don't <laughs> mind. I don't. Serve. I don't. Yeah, I, I'm chilled with it. I don't care about that. I love the way he plays, but I I, I do. I I think every, no, no matter what you think of him, you can't say he hasn't been missed with this Australian Open. Just the lead up to it, he was on all the mark. All marketing campaign was around Nick. But I get back to different generations too. Yeah, like yeah. older generations who love and respect tennis from how it was played years ago mm. would would enjoy. Most of them wouldn't enjoy the way that mm. he carries on. Yeah, but the younger younger demographic, the young kids, love all that oh, brashness. Yeah. They love the fact that he's outspoken. You know, he's got a bit of a swagger. They, they think it's cool. What about in that post? Didn't he? Wasn't he giving someone the bird? Whoever was taking the photo. Oh, he's laying in bed. He's, he's, social he's laying in bed in the hospital. Oh. And he's giving someone the bird. I just know through my own family, my own kids. You yeah, know, people that they follow on social media or they talk about. It's just people that I go. Who are, who are they? Yeah. How long have they been around? Yeah, I think he's got this stick. Who's he sticking his finger up to? Probably oh. his, who's taking the photo? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just, yeah. Most importantly, I hope the surgery went all right. <laughs> because I think the other thing as well, in Australian tennis, tennis-wise, tennis-wise, we need him. 
Australia needs him. Last night at the Australian Open, Novak Djokovic needed, well, two hours and six minutes to beat Alex Dimonor. 6-2, 6-1, in their fourth round match on Rod Laver Arena. Uh, in the Big Bash last night, the Sydney Sixers, they won again. So they won by 24 runs against the Hobart Hurricanes. Posted seven for 180. In response, the Hurricanes, eight for 156. Guess who was player of the match, Clarky? Smitty. 66 off 33 Three balls. Yep. Six sixes. He hit there last night. And uh, I actually saw a tweet from Buzz. Mm-hmm. Our man, the buzzard. And... Uh, <laughs> Get him in the World Cup team? Well, he said, leaving Steve Smith out of the T20 World Cup side mm. ranks alongside the greatest selection blunders in Australian sporting history. Hashtag BBL12. <laughs> well, well, it does. It looks pretty average in hindsight, doesn't it? But uh, let's just also say he's facing big bash attacks. Yeah, there's this big difference between international cricket and and, and what he's playing now. But still, the truth is he's he's our best player um, in certainly in test cricket and one-day cricket in Australia. And if given the chance... I think he's as good as our as our best. Mm. So if we're saying David Warner is our best twenty twenty player, then Steve Smith's not far behind if he's given the chance. Uh, again, opening the batting is where you want to bat in in that format. Um, you know, selectors made a decision to go with Finchie at the top of the order. The, the part that was hard for me to to understand was why when Steve Smith was in our World Cup squad. Cameron Green wasn't in the lead-up games, yet they were opening the batting with Cameron Green and Steve Smith wasn't playing. That made no sense to me whatsoever. So, you know, Smitty's still a unbelievable player and he's good enough to play for Australia in all three formats in the right role, you know. And in a World Cup, that was the other thing for me, in a World Cup, maximum pressure against the best attacks, you need your best players. So Finchie was happy to bat at number four. I'm opening the batting with Steve Smith. If Finchie's out of form and not scoring runs, then Steve Smith can replace him as the opener as well. So, yeah, anyway, that's, yeah, hindsight doesn't matter. The good thing is for the Sixers, he's on fire. They, they go into the finals full of confidence. Um, it's great for the BBL that we're, you know, you get to turn the telly on and watch Steve Smith play last night. We saw Dave Warner. Um, you know, the international stars are playing, which is good. And, yeah, I just yeah, I can you can of course you can understand why Australia got smoked in the twenty twenty World Cup. They leave out Steve Smith. Now he gets a chance to play T twenty and he's building him. Of course there's gonna be there's gonna be criticism. Yeah. There, there was probably two things. One, obviously they didn't see him as an opener and they didn't want to drop their captain yep. and Warner. Yep. So then they thought about him batting down the number order. Four, Finch, number yeah. four. Yep. But then they were thinking if Steve Smith comes into the side, yep. we'll put him at four. We we don't want to Mess around with the openers. And you know the other thing? He wasn't informed. Smitty, no. when, when Smitty come into the Australian team, I think he played one or two games in the World Cup. Yes. He'd had no cricket under his belt, so he wasn't informed like he is now. So he's, he's been making hundreds he's in most, test cricket. He, he's he's t- re- most recent 24 T20 internationals. Yeah. He didn't reach a 50 in those 24 matches. Yeah. And batting in, he's batted, he, was, exactly he was batting right. at probably number three or number four, four. in those matches, yeah. where now he's opening the batting. Yeah. So he scored more big runs difference. in those four big bash games that of he's course. played than of what course. he played for Australia. And, so yeah. that's the reason why yeah. I'm assuming And Mido's 100% play. right. 100% right. The BBL is a lot different to playing mm. international yeah. cricket. But we have said, 
We believe Steve Smith should have been in the Definitely. I, I believe Smitty still would have dominated. Yeah. If he opened the batting in the World Cup, I think I said it. Actually, I think I said on on this show, he'll be the leading run scorer. Mm. If he opens the batting in the World Cup, he would be the leading run scorer. Yeah. That's what I believed. But, yeah, of course, I understand their mm. reasons. And, you, again, they went with Finchie, so they had to back Finchie. I got no problem with that. Finchie had to work out where he wanted to bat. He thought he was best opening the batting for the team's sake. So he went with that. So, yeah, that's... That's the way it goes. You, that's, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah. You make a decision as a captain and selectors. And, um, yeah, they'll just have to cop a bit of – selectors particularly have to cop a little bit of criticism now because of Smitty's form. And as Scotty says on the text line, boys, to give you an idea how well Smithy is hitting them, he has the most sixes in this BBL, 24 from four bats, compared to everyone else with 12 innings, etc. says Scotty. Uh, there's also a game in the Premier League this morning. Now, kickoff's been delayed by 15 minutes due to local travel restrictions there in Fulham at Craven Cottage. Uh, Fulham up against Tottenham. So that should be kicking off in about half an hour's time. And the market with tab for that one has Spurs $2.10. Fulham $3.15 and the draw paying $3.60 with tab for that one kicking off soon. Um, and if you missed that news earlier, Frank Lampard's been sacked at Everton as well overnight. He's been at Goodison Park for less than a year. So with the Toffees sitting 19th and with just 15 points from 20 matches, Lampard is out. Okay, the new club in the NRL for this season. And uh, I've got a, we've got a suggested 17 or a potential 17. Uh, heading into round one. So looking at what this side could be, Hemiso Tabuai for Dope at fullback, Jermaine Asako and Edric Lee on the wings, Tessie New and Oliver Gildar potentially in the centres with Milford and Sean O'Sullivan in the halves, Jesse Bromwich and Tom Gilbert up front with Jeremy Marshall King at hooker. And in the back row, Felice Kafusi, Kenny Bromwich, Ray Stone, and uh, the likes of Nick Arima, U- Ewan Aiken, Mark Nichols, Jared Wallace, potentially on the bench, Loz. Uh, a name in that squad who I think we'll be seeing a lot of at some stage through the season is Isaiah Katoa. I think he's a potential star of the future. But uh, when you look at that squad, <laughs> some journeymen, some players of potential, experience, but there's just something lacking, isn't there? And that is an out-and-out out star. Well, for me, I don't think they'll be scoring a lot of points in their game. I don't see a lot of points in this team. I see them trying hard. I see a lot of experience in the forwards. You know, you look at Jesse Bromwich up front. You've got Kafusi and Kenny Bromwich in the back row. I mean, they're coming out of the Melbourne Storm system. So they'll be professional. They'll do their job. You've got Tommy Gilbert, uh, who played Origin last year. Yeah, for Queensland and was a part of that North Queensland Cowboys team that went uh, deep into the finals. So so they've got some depth in the forwards. You've got Mark Nichols, who's been to a grand final before with South. You know, Jared Wallace has played Origin. Um, so they, they've got experienced forwards, but they're tradesmen. I, I, I don't see a lot of creativity in the forward pack. And then when you look out wide, um, there's not a lot of guys that really you would say – um, have that line-breaking ability. I, I think they've got some speed there with Edric Lee, uh, Hamaso, Tabia Wifedow. But then who's going to create that space to get them in? Uh, in, in, in uh, you know, put, who's going to create the opportunities to put them into that space? Um, I, I can't see Milford rediscovering his best form. I think he'll have a solid year under Wayne because I think he enjoys playing under him. And Wayne can get the best out in these players, but... I think he's best. He's past him. 
Sean O'Sullivan plays with a lot of control, but you don't see him as a line-breaking half. Um, he's more of a control number seven. Interesting to see how he goes out of the Penrith system now as well. A lot of, obviously, a great opportunity for him with the chance to really, I guess, cement his NRL career, but a lot of pressure on him as well to create lots yeah, well, and control. That's the issue that I see with this Dolphins team. I just don't see where the points are going to come from, who's going to to get them um, into positions to be able to put on their plays or play off the cuff or whatever style of footy they may play under Wayne Bennett. But I, I, I just don't see the creativity there. Loz, the other thing, tell me a team that goes through the whole t- whole season only using their first 17. Look at their look at their remaining players. That's yeah. got to be a concern. Yeah. If they have injuries, they're in deep trouble. Well, Buzz said it yesterday. They they've still they, they still have $2 million, million dollars to yeah. spend in their salary cap. So that's two $1 million players. There's, there's a couple of marquee players there that they're missing out on. Um, I think if they can win five games, they've had an enormous year, the Dolphins. Five wins. I, I think five wins. Wooden spoon? Uh, I, well, they'd have to be favourites for the wooden spoon. Hmm. I, I haven't sort of ranked yeah. them 1 to 17 yet, but I think they'll be close. Yeah. They have $2.75 favourites. The, the, the only thing I will say about them is that Wayne Bennett, now, you know, Wayne is getting on, but his last coaching performance. Yeah, but what, is, he he took, a, is he a magician? Took South to, <laughs> How does he turn a ghost into a rabbit? Yeah, well, that's. That's a fair point. Too. <laughs> like you've only got what you got. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> he can't turn. Surely he can't turn Milford into yeah. Wally Lewis. Oh. Well, mate, how do you say that? So in nineteen eighty-seven, what was it? Wally stood down from mate, nine. Maybe he might be coming back. Mate, the king. No, uh, this stands out to me where Wayne can be brutal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So nineteen eighty-seven, we're sitting down at Seaford Oval, and Wayne first year in charge, and he's addressing. The team. So he's got the squad there. So there's 50-odd players. There's this under 23s, reserve grade and first grade. Is this when you rocked up the training in the Dunlop Falls? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is me. Okay. So anyway, yeah. we're all sitting there. Anyhow, at, walk, walking down the race is John McIntyre and this uh, player mm. that John had signed. And he was a little bit over, overweight. So Wayne's addressing the team. And next thing you know, JR walks down with this bloke. It says to Wayne, Wayne, I've got, a, got us a new player. In front, in, this is in the team meeting. And Wayne looks at him and goes, who? You? And he goes, no, 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 no. no. Meet X, such and such. X, yeah. and such. I won't say his name. He goes, all right. He said, what am I expected to do with him? I'm not a miracle worker. <laughs> in straight, front. Straight to his face. In fr- straight to his face, but in straight in front of the whole playing group. Like 50-odd oh players in the club. Oh, dear. This poor bloke puts his head down. Tail between the legs. Oh, I thought you were going to say, oh, this poor bloke was Ricky Stewart. <laughs> no, 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 no. This poor bloke puts his head down. He lasts about six weeks. Gone. Gone. Yeah, okay. One of his best, JR. I know you'll be listening. <laughs> we always remind him. Uh, so Wayne knows what he's in for. So Wayne, yeah, Wayne, Wayne, Wayne will know what he's in for. But look, there's no doubt that the Dolphins, it'll be a tough year. Mm. They haven't been. How able long to track do you get? How long player. do you get as a new team in to like we all last year? We had the conversation about the Warriors and how they have gone since they've come into the competition. Oh, mate, I, I, do they get three, four years of? No, they they need to be building year on year. Okay. Mm. So, so you can't come bottom three three years in a row. No, I, th- I think they need to be improving every year, which I think they will. Okay. The, the difference with the Dolphins compared to some of the other expansion teams 
is that they've got a big junior mm. base to work with. So there's a lot of good kids in that system. Mm. So they gradually should improve. Okay. Um, and they don't have to look far out of their nest to find decent players. They've just got to be able to grab the right ones from other clubs at this stage yeah. to mould and build this footy team. So, but, but when I look at this, I just go, look, they're a tradesman-like team in the forwards. No creativity, which is a concern. Can they get the best out of Anthony Milford? They're going to be relying a lot on him. Um, and their outside backs, they've got some speed there, but just no creativity. I, I just don't know how, like, where they're going to get their points from. Well, if they got five wins, that would be more than the Tigers' four from last season. Part, Thanks so. for that. No, no worries. Thanks just for to point that out. bringing up the past. Uh, Thank you very much. Do you think they can win more than five? Oh, I'd be shocked. Dolphins? No, I don't. Not looking at that no. list. And again, I, I'm, I'm worried. Mate, game one, game two, they get three injuries. Yeah. They are in deep trouble. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. You've got to have some depth in this competition. But they, they start against the Roosters... So that'll be a big game for them. And and you'd think any new club when they come in, their first month of football is so important. Mm. And for me, if they don't start well and then they get a few injuries, that, that'll be the concern. Mm. And the grind will happen, you know, after eight weeks rather than after 13, 14 weeks. Mm. So the Dolphins, $67 to win the premiership with tabs, $7.50 to make the top eight, and two seventy five the favourite in the most losses market. Who can they sign, Loz? Because you said they've got $2 million in their salary cap to spend. Who's on the market for them to sign? Well, no one at the moment's on the market for this year, although you know that clubs can make late changes to the roster, and the Dolphins would be sniffing around some players at other clubs that they possibly could offer um, deals to for the following year. So guys that are coming off contract at the end of 2023, Mm. if they're not wanted by their clubs past the end of this year, they might be able to drag them and get an early release and get them to the Dolphins. Um, But it's going to be difficult for them because there's not a lot of high-quality players are you surprised the they haven't been able to pull one of those big fish? I thought fish? they would have been, yeah. I, I thought they would have been able to attract a, a Munster or a Harry Grant mm. back to Brisbane because of mm. the amount of money mm. that they would have been able to, to get. Um, and being Queenslanders, I thought that would be an attraction to get home. And from all reports, Munster was heading that down that path. But he wanted to play finals football and that kept him in Melbourne because he sees a stronger club mm. that he can finish his career with rather than going to this startup club that may struggle for the first couple of years. $5.50 head to head against the Roosters who are $1.15 and 16 and a half is the line for that game. That's the four o'clock game on Sunday, March five in round one in Brisbane. Uh, just on the text line, Tigers won four last year. That's four more than the Bears, Mido. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, can you tell us where this player ended up, Loz? Good question. You, you, the said player yeah, from... I think uh, he just played local A-grade. Okay, right. Coimbia. Just, yeah, back back to the local yeah. clubbies and beautiful. Yeah, just played local club football. <laughs> Quick break. It was, it was brutal. Said. It was brutal. <laughs> Love it. Adam Pengilly, good morning. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Uh, now, the expressway, what doing? How many noms? Uh, a little thin. Four. 
Yeah, very, very thin. Only four nominations taken yesterday. They've been extended to 11am this morning. I think Joe Pryor's going to run Maranea, sorry. So they'll make it five. But at this stage, it is only very, very skinny and a little bit embarrassing, it must be said, for the first Group 2 race of the year in Sydney. So, But having said that, I, I did do a little search, Jared, yesterday to look at the history of the race. And it's not uncommon for this race to have small fields. And I'll just go through it very quickly, like... Last year, Overpass won the race, only seven runners. In 2021, Savasiano, six. Standout in 2027. Elise won in 2019, was five. And then the three years before that, we only had six runners. So in the last six or seven years, we haven't had a field of more than seven runners in the expressway stakes. And I suppose it just goes to show that it's pretty hard for trainers to turn around their horses from the spring to get them ready for, for the autumn and to kick off in a Group 2 race in, in late January. And we've been talking about races like the Cox Plate, pushing back into mid to late November potentially and just shortens that gap again, doesn't it, between the spring and the autumn. So, yep, not a great set of nominations, it must be said there yesterday. Let's hope we can get a few more that, that come late to the party today, but we're having a very small field in the expressway stakes there on Saturday. She's Extreme was back at the trials yesterday. Adam, how'd she go? Yeah, she was good, Clarkie. Had a pretty important set of trials there yesterday at Randwick, and she went round in the first trial, which is a group trial uh, on the course prop with Cote. Joyful Fortune, a horse that ran the Everest last year as well as rocketing by Osipenko. But I thought she's extreme, hit the line relatively nicely under Tommy Berry there, just led close to the line in seventh spot, just a few lengths behind the win. And she's one of the most durable, I suppose, and adaptive horses we've got in the country at the moment. So obviously winning the VRC Oaks last spring, you don't want me to bring that up again and do your laws. Probably no, not, not, a great, not, a, not a great time to bring it up. But anyway, um, she'll be targeting some races, obviously, up here in the autumn. And you'd imagine she's going to relish those, those wet track conditions we usually get in the autumn. So, yep, she looks like she's back in good order. And, ready for a big autumn carnival to add some more group ones to her resume. Well, Foxy did get injured, to be fair, in that and, race in the Oaks. And good, some good news, she should be back uh, doing some light work soon. That's fantastic, Loz. Mm. Do you reckon she's any chance of being up there for Queensland, for yes. a Queensland Oaks, maybe? That's yes, the target, that's the target. There you yeah, go. I can just see you taking a week off in, in winter to go up to Queensland to follow her preparation you for the Queensland Oaks. Yeah. What's that? You definitely shouldn't go on your own. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, I'll come with you. <clears throat> I'll leave you behind. <laughs> Actually, I'll go south. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be hanging with you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, mate, what's the latest with these stewards finalising the New South Wales betting inquiries? Uh, um, didn't get a chance to mention this yesterday, boys. I apologise. But uh, Jordan Mallion was the last one that was cleaned up by the stewards on Friday, Friday afternoon last week. He copped a couple of months, so he'll be out of the saddle until I think it's early March. So he obviously was found to be betting on particular races using an account. It wasn't any races he was riding in himself, but I still reckon he's pretty lucky to get away with the two months. I know he cooperated with his stewards and he pleaded guilty and stood himself down from riding and did the right thing. But when you compare it with a guy like Adam Hieronymus, and I'm, I'm not saying the cases are identical because they weren't, because Adam obviously was betting in you know, probably larger amounts and bet on a couple of races that he was riding in or beat on horses only he was riding. But he copped three years initially, reduced to two years and four months. And we've seen a guy like Jordan Mallion get done for only two months. So I'm not quite sure how he got arrived at the disparity between the two sentences there. But uh, thankfully for the stewards, they've got those inquiries all finalised and we're just waiting for a date for Tommy Berry's appeal now. And Adam, really sad news. Uh, Kingston Town's owner, David Haynes, passed away. Yeah, terrible news, Jared. Obviously lived a, lived a great life. What a legacy he leaves in Australian horse, brace, horse racing and breeding. And obviously he was always been remembered for his, for his famous horse, Kingston Town, who won the, the, the Cox Plate three times and just one of the champions of the Australian turf. Some people still say he's the best horse I've ever seen on the Australian turf. You can even add in Winks and Black Caviar in, in more recent times. But 
We know he wasn't short of a quid, David Haynes. But you know the one thing I loved most about reading a few of the tributes yesterday was he actually says he gave up work for seven years in the 1960s to do what? What do you reckon he would be tried to do for those seven years to improve his golf game? <laughs> How good would it be to have money like that just to give up work for seven years just to improve your golf game? I mean, yeah. <laughs> good life. What a great story. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the condolences go to his family and friends, but uh, he'll forever be. Remembered and enshrined with his famous horse, Kingston Town. Good on you, mate. See you, boys.